Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Hand to Hand in the Trenches, a missionary story podcast. I'm Caleb Hickam. And I'm Kimberly Croker. And we are your hosts for this episode of Hand to Hand. Hand to Hand is a ministry outreach of Charity Baptist Tabernacle in Amarillo, Texas. And Hand to Hand is a missionary story podcast that tells the true stories of Christians around the world who have hazarded their lives for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Hand to Hand in the Trenches. This is Season 1, Episode 6. Yes, and this is the final episode on the life of Michael Sattler. If you missed the first episode about Michael Sattler, we recommend that you go back and listen to it first. The story will make a whole lot more sense if you listen to that one first. So, um, And if you have heard that one, then enjoy the show. last week with Michael having just become a pastor of an Anabaptist church in Horb, Germany. Yes, and he had just traveled with his wife and about eight other members of his church to preach in Switzerland, where he wrote the Schleithheim Confession. Number one, baptism is to be administered to those who have consciously repented of their sins and believe that Christ died for their sins. Also, it should only be given to those who request it for themselves. Therefore, no infant can be baptized, because infant baptism is the most evil creation of the Pope. Number two, the Christian should live a life of discipline and walk in the way of righteousness. Those who slip and fall should be admonished twice in secret, but on the third offense should be openly disciplined as a final recourse. Number three, The Lord's Supper is a remembrance of Christ's body and blood. The literal body and blood of Christ is not present at the communion table. Number four, the Christian should live a life of separation from Catholics and Protestants and have no fellowship with those who continue to disobey the command of the scriptures. Number five, pastors should be men of good report. They must faithfully carry out the responsibility of leading the church, 
He should be supported by the church, but he himself should be disciplined if he sins. Number six, the Christian should not take an oath as Jesus prohibits the taking of oaths and swearing. However, Christians can testify as when a person bears testimony, it is not the same as swearing. Number seven, the church and state are from two separate realms and have no power over each other. Therefore, the Christian should not use force in any way. During this time, the local Catholic government officer, Count Jacquem of Zalorn, was fiercely persecuting Protestants and Anabaptists. The Emperor Archduke Ferdinand even decreed that espousal of the Lutheran doctrine was punishable by death. Unbeknownst to Michael, while he was preaching in Schleitheim, the Count learned about the existence of the Anabaptist Church in Horb. Tell me when will your pastor return? Never. Turn the rack. Oh! When will your pastor return? Tomorrow. Oh! After finding out when Michael and his group would return, the Count set a trap for him. Halt! In the name of the Emperor! Yeah, get up, go! After him! Everyone else, get off those horses! You're all under arrest for the crime of heresy! My Lord Count, one of the heretics escaped. Let us take the rest of them in. Michael, who escaped? Brother Rublin. They searched Michael and they found a copy of the Slytheim Confessions in his pocket. Here is the evidence of your heresy. What you're holding in your hand is evidence that we believe the Bible. After arresting Michael, along with his wife and friends, they realized that many of the local peasants were actually supportive of Michael. My Lord Count, there's a lot of murmuring among the peasants. They're saying he's a good man and that he doesn't deserve to be imprisoned. Do you think they will attempt to rescue him? Possibly. Very well. We will move him to the prison in the Tower of Binsdorf. So Michael and his friends were escorted under heavy guard to the Tower of Binsdorf, where they were held awaiting their trial. While they were in prison, Michael was able to get a letter out to the remaining members of his church. We will read a portion of that letter. Be warned, most beloved members of the body of Christ, of what I point to with such scripture and live accordingly. If I am sacrificed to the Lord, may my wife be commended to you as myself. May the peace of Jesus Christ and the love of the Heavenly Father and the grace of their Spirit keep you flawless, without sin, and present you joyous and pure before the vision of their holiness at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you might be found among the number of the called ones at the supper of the one essential true God and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be eternally praise and honor and majesty. Amen. Guard yourselves against false brothers, for the Lord will perhaps call me, so now you have been warned. I wait upon my God. Pray without ceasing for all prisoners. May God be with you all. Amen. In the tower at Bensdorf, Brother Michael Sattler of Stauffen, together with my fellow prisoners in the Lord. 
Now, the government had a very difficult time trying to find judges for this trial because the priest at the nearby university knew that the peasants would be very angry if Michael were put to death. Finally, the university agreed to send two judges after the government promised to increase expense money to the university. This should help the university out. God bless you. Well, Caleb, I guess that would be why the Bible says money answereth all things. That is true. Well, when the trial finally did get started, the judges ordered Michael and the Anabaptists to choose a lawyer. Who will be your advocate? We do not have one. Like the Apostle Paul, we will speak for ourselves today. As a pastor, I will be the spokesman for our group. As you wish. Your Honor, I would like to request that the charges against us be read to us because we have not been officially told all the charges that are waged against us. Honorable and wise Lord, this man claims that he has the Holy Spirit inside him. So it seems to me that if he really does have the Holy Spirit, then we should not have to tell him the charges against him because the Spirit should be able to tell him what it is in the indictment. Your Honor, I hope you will not deny me this request and refuse to tell me the points of this accusation because I still do not know what they are. Does the prosecutor object to the charges being read to the accused heretics? Honorable and wise Lord, we are not required by law to tell him anything, but in our generosity we have decided we will read the charges aloud for him to hear. Very well. As Lord and Judge of this proceeding, I will read them to him. Michael Sadler, you stand accused of the following crimes. Number one, you and your associates have disobeyed the imperial command by accepting and propagating heretical doctrines. Number two, you have taught and believe that the body and blood of Christ are not in the sacrament. Number three, you have taught and believed that infant baptism is not necessary or useful for salvation. Number four, you and your associates have rejected the sacrament of holy anointing oil. Number five, you have despised and scorned the Holy Mother of God and all the saints. Number six, you have said that no Christian should swear allegiance to the government. Number seven, you have forsaken your vows and have married a wife. And finally, number eight, you have been heard to say that if the Muslim Turks were to come into our land, one should not resist him, and that you would rather fight against the Christians than against the Turks, which is obviously a great crime to side with the enemy against our holy faith. Are you prepared to speak in your own defense? Your Honor, may I have a moment to discuss our answer with my brothers and sisters? After all, most of these charges concern them as much as they do me. Make it quick. After Michael had spent a few minutes consulting with his brothers and sisters, he turned back to the judge. Your Honor, I am ready to answer the accusations against us. Proceed. I will answer each accusation one by one. First, we are accused of disobedience to the imperial command 
about false teaching. We have not disobeyed the imperial command because it says only that no one should accept the Lutheran doctrine or any false teaching, but should only accept the truth of the gospel. We do not know of anything we have said or done against the truth of the gospel and the word of God. If we have, we would like to be shown what it is from Scripture. Secondly, we are accused of teaching and believing that the real body and blood of Christ is not in the Lord's Supper. We readily admit that we both believe and do teach that Jesus' body is not in the bread, neither is his blood in wine, because Christ himself said that the communion is to be eaten in remembrance of him. Thirdly, we are accused of believing that infant baptism cannot save the soul. It is true that we do teach that infant baptism cannot save mankind because the Bible says that you must believe to be saved. Number four, we're accused of rejecting the anointing oil. In truth, we do not reject anointing oil because it is a creation of God and everything God made is good. However, we do not believe that the Pope, bishops, monks, or priests can bless it and make it better. The oil spoke of in the epistle of James is not the Pope's oil because the Pope never made anything good. Number five, you say we dishonor Mary and the saints. We have not dishonored the mother of Jesus Christ. In fact, we believe she is worthy of great honor because she was given the grace to give birth to the Savior of the whole world. However, we freely admit that she is not a mediator for our sins because the Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Number six, I admit that we do not believe a Christian should swear allegiance to the government. For Christ said, swear not at all, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. Number seven, now concerning the charge that I have forsaken my monistic vows by taking a wife, I confess that it is true, because when God called me to preach, and when I had read the writings of Paul that a pastor must be the husband of one wife, I considered the great evils I had witnessed in the monastery, the evils of fornication and adultery. I determined to obey the scripture and took Margaretha to be my wife. In my defense, I would remind you that the Apostle Paul prophesied to Timothy that in the last days men would accept doctrines of devils, including forbidding to marry. Lastly, I did say that if the Turk comes, the Christians should not use warfare to defend ourselves, but with fervent prayer should beseech God to be our defense, as with all our persecutors. Now the reason that I said if warring were right, I would rather take up arms against the so-called Christians than to take up arms against the Turks was because the Turk is a true Turk and knows nothing of the Christian faith. He is a Turk according to the flesh. But you, who claim to be Christians and boast of Christ, you've persecuted the faithful witnesses of Christ. Therefore, you are Turks according to the Spirit. In conclusion, I will remind you, Your Honor, that according to Romans chapter 13, you are a minister of God. Therefore, I would like to admonish you of this purpose for which your position was created, specifically to punish evil and protect good. Therefore, I implore you to study the scriptures, and if you be able to show us from the word of God that we be wrong, we will gladly recant and suffer punishment. But if we cannot be proved in error, I hope to God that you will repent and let yourselves be taught. When Michael said that, the judges started laughing and shaking their heads at him, and the prosecutor jumped up and shouted at Michael. Why, you despicable, mischievous monk, 
You want us to debate with you? Huh, the hangman will debate with you, I promise you that. Whatever God wills will come to pass. You will wish you had never been born. God knows what is good. Then the prosecutor turned to the other Anabaptists. This arch-heretic has seduced you all. If you would only give up your errors and ask for grace from the court, your lives may be spared. Grace is with God, and God alone. We must not forsake the truth. The prosecutor turned his attention back to Michael. You arch-heretic, I'm, I'm telling you that if there was no hangman here, I would draw my sword and kill you myself, and I would be doing God's work. God will judge what is right. Honorable Lord and Judge, this kind of talk could go on all day. Therefore, I request that you proceed with the verdict. I rest my case. Michael Sattler, do you also rest? Are you ready to proceed to the verdict? Your Honor, I have not been sent to defend the word of God in court, but only to testify to it. Now, because you have not shown us from the scripture that we are wrong, we are ready now to suffer for the word of God. Whatever is set before us, we will gladly suffer for our faith in Jesus Christ, as long as we have any breath left in us, unless we are convinced otherwise from the Scripture. The hangman will convince you. He'll be the one to debate with you. I appeal to the Scripture. Very well. The judges will retire to make a decision. The judges then left the room and were gone for about an hour and a half. While they were gone, the soldiers mocked Michael and the other Anabaptists and tried to provoke them. You fool. How can you deceive yourself and others like this? Just wait. We'll convince you with the sword. But Margaretha spoke up to remind Michael of the scripture. Remember, Michael, we must not cast our pearls before the swine. After that, the judges came back in to read the verdict. In the case of His Imperial Majesty versus Michael Sattler, we hereby rule that Michael Sattler shall be given into the hand of the hangman, who shall lead him to the town square and cut off his tongue, then chain him to a wagon and tear his body twice with red-hot tongues, and then drag him outside the gate of the city and there tear his flesh five more times with the red-hot tongues. When this is done, he is to be burned to powder as a heretic. Oh, my word. Caleb, that is probably one of the most cruel things I have ever heard in my life. Yes, it is terrible. Michael was led back to prison for three days, and then on Monday, May the 20th, of 1527, Michael was led to the marketplace, and as the hangman prepared to cut out his tongue, and as the judges looked on, he began preaching to his persecutors. Your Honor, because you and your fellow judges have condemned me contrary to justice and without proof, I warn you to repent. If you do not, then you will face a just God, and he will condemn you into an eternal hell. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this... After they cut off his tongue, Michael was torn with the red-hot tongs and was led outside the city. Incredibly, 
or perhaps even miraculously, even after his tongue was cut out, he continued to preach and to pray for his persecutors as he was led to the place of his execution. Almighty God, with your help, I will now testify to the truth and seal it with my blood. The Bible says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. After he had been torn with the red hot tongs again, he was tied to a ladder. Lord, I pray that like Paul, you would save me your persecutor or your servant. And finally, the ladder was tipped over into the fire. When the ropes binding his hands finally burned away, and with his final breath, Michael raised his hands and pointed with both hands up to heaven as a signal to his brothers and sisters that the martyr's death was bearable. Lord, if thy hand, I command my after Michael's death, the other Anabaptist men were beheaded with the sword. And then, a few days later, Margaretha and the other ladies were taken to the river and with their hands tied behind their backs and stones tied around their necks, they were given what the Catholics mockingly called the Third Baptism. But that's not the end of the story. There's an old quote that says the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And that was certainly true of the life of Michael Sattler. Because Brother Rublin, the Anabaptist who had escaped when Michael was arrested, witnessed Michael's trial and martyrdom. Brother Rublin wrote down an eyewitness account of Michael's death, which was printed off and given out along with the Schleitheim Confession track all over Europe. And there's no way to know how many souls were saved because of his faithfulness. Which reminds me of a scripture. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Revelation 14, verse 13.